We're continuing the sermon series in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, looking at the resurrection hope uh, that is ours in the gospel. And so to read the scripture passage, I'd like to invite Shen to come forward. Today's scripture reading is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 to 49. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So is is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's a beautiful season that we're in right now, isn't it? I can't imagine that going to a museum would rank high on anyone's list these days, but the Ontario, the Royal Ontario Museum is open right now. Did you know that? It is. <laughs> if you go to the ROM, then uh, you'd probably visit the dinosaurs, of course, right? You, you, you'd visit the mummy up on the fifth floor. You'd visit the bat cave. But you know what? You would miss out on something if you, if you, if you missed a section on, on, on the fifth floor uh, on the southwest corner. That is the section for ancient Greece and Rome. And what do you see in that section? You see coins and, and ancient pottery. Um, but the, the really interesting thing that you would see there is lots and lots of ancient statues. These are statues of politicians and and heroes and athletes, gods and goddesses. The ancient Greeks were obsessed with the human body. They loved to to sculpt the perfect male figure, the perfect female figure. They never got tired of doing that. They loved athletic competition because in, in, in athletic competition, what you get to see is the body in motion the sculpted, fit body in motion, in the wrestling, in the discus throw, in javelin throw, in in, in the foot race. 
the body in motion. The city of Corinth, we're reading from this letter addressed to the, to the church in the city. Corinth itself was famous for an athletic competition called the Isthmian Games. Um, picture the ancient Olympic Games, and it was that, just in a different city, basically. This famous event every two years, folks from all across um, the Greek world would come to participate in these games. In every local town of ancient Greece, there was a gymnasium. This was like a community center. It could be talks and lectures, but especially, of course, like a training ground, a training facility to perfect the body, to improve the body, to strengthen the body. I think it sounds quite familiar, doesn't it? It sounds quite, quite a lot like our own day in some ways. This is where our Western culture comes from. This, this, this ancient region of Europe. Now, the gospel comes into this culture with these values about the body. The gospel came to the city of Corinth saying that Jesus is raised from the dead and he will raise all those who belong to him in the last day, the resurrection of the body for all of his people. And to the average citizen of Corinth, this sounded like an absurd statement, right? What's valued? The young, fit body. That's what's valued. And so this notion that that a a person grows old and weak and frail, and then they die, and then sometime later, somehow, the, 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 the rotting flesh would come back together, and the bones would come together, and, and somehow this, this body is walking around again. Somehow a cadaver walks again. That was grotesque. Who, no, no thank you, <laughs> it was the, the kind of mindset. Who would, who would even want that, let alone believe that? Okay. And Paul knows that that kind of, that kind of mindset is in his, his audience he's writing to. And how does he respond? He's not ashamed, he's not embarrassed, he responds, he does. And we're gonna follow the thread of of that response, we're gonna follow his argument, and we're gonna see two things this morning as we look at this, this passage together, two things. One, God will raise you in a different body, a different body, different from the body you have now. Second, God will raise you in a body like Jesus' body. God will raise you in a different body. God will raise you in a body like Jesus. Okay, first point. So Paul is writing about the resurrection. Uh, And while he's teaching this, he knows the objections in his audience. He knows what people are thinking. He says, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And that is the skeptical voice. Uh, More than that, it's kind of a voice of mockery. It's saying, right, okay, Paul, the the dead are raised. How does that, okay, how does that work? Tell me more about that. I would love to hear about that, if you can. Paul responds, you fool, you fool. (laughs) The resurrection body is not, is not, a reassembled, rotting corpse, okay? 
It's not the walking dead. It's not the zombie apocalypse. Listen, listen, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Paul says, look all around you. Look around you. Look in your, in your front lawn. Look in your garden. Look at your house plants. Look at the farm. Look at the trees down the, that line the street. Okay? Look around you. You see this principle everywhere. Look at a seed. Any seed. And then think what that seed becomes when it grows into what it's going to grow into. There, there is, okay, there is continuity, right? Certain kinds of seeds produce certain kinds of plants, and that plant only. A sunflower seed produces a sunflower and no other plant. There, there, there's, there, there is continuity from the seed to the plant, but there's difference as well. There's discontinuity, there's newness. And you can see that in the obvious fact that for beans and, and peas and rice and acorns and popcorn kernels, for every kind of seed, what you get is very different from the seed. The mature plant is very different from the seed. I live close to High Park in the West End, and uh, High Park is, is full of trees, I, I can say with some confidence and, and, and authority, including the cherry trees, right? Right now, the season we're in, cherry blossom season, is kind of the tail end of cherry blossom season, but there's lots and lots of folks uh, going. It's very popular right now. If you come to High Park, you'll see the cherry blossoms. You kind of elbow your way through. But what you might miss on your walk to the cherry blossoms is lots of other trees that, when you think about it, are amazing in their own right. <laughs> no one's taking pictures of the, of the red oak tree, right? But think about it. A red oak with its immense size and girth and weight is hardwood, right? It's a tremendous tree. And it grows from an acorn, a single, a single acorn. Grows into this tree that, that is, is literally a million times the size and weight of the acorn. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, open your eyes. You are surrounded by this principle everywhere, all around you. The resurrection body, it will have continuity from your body now, like, like a seed to a mature plant. There's continuity, but there's also difference. The risen body is different, like a mature plant is different from the seed. God will raise you into a different body, a new body from what you inhabit now. Now look with me in your bulletin, or if you have a Bible in front of you, uh, look with me at verse 38. It says this, God gives the seed a body as he's chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. I'll read that one more time with some emphasis. God gives the seed a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Now at this point, I want to ask, why does a seed grow into a plant? Is it because the seed understands how it grows? 
Is it because a seed knows the, the Latin names for the parts of the seed? Does the seed know the order of events? You got you the right water, the right temperature, and then, and then the roots, and then the shoots. Does the seed know? Does it have the plan? No, no, of course I'm being silly. It doesn't know that. It doesn't know any of those things. No, a seed doesn't know any of this. A seed is simply designed, simply designed by God to respond to the right circumstances and grow. God knows what needs to happen. God understands. A seed does not understand. And neither do we understand the mechanics of the future resurrection of the dead. We don't. Ladies and gentlemen, according to the word of God, you are like a seed. You have a seed body. God designed you like a seed. And God knows how to raise a new body from the seed that is your body. You do not understand the mechanics of the resurrection. Neither do I, and neither does anybody. Who, any, anyone who writes big books about this kind of topic, no, no one. No one understands this. We simply receive it. We simply trust it, embrace it. We simply receive this lesson from every plant and tree around us. God knows how to raise a new body. And at the end, that's all that matters. In fact, you simply trust it. You trust God. And now at this point, I can imagine that, that some may be thinking that this sounds like you, you, you just do what? You switch off your brain. You just, uh, you just okay, receive this teaching. Um, just believe it. It's, a, it's an article of blind faith. Don't, don't ask questions. Don't... Um, Right? Does it sound a bit like that? What can I say? I think the next section of the passage is actually quite helpful on this point. Uh, starting in verse 39, if you look there with me, Paul says, Not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There's heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. There's one glory for the sun, another glory for the moon. Another glory of the stars. Okay, in the Christian faith, you do not switch off your brain. In the Christian faith, you don't, you don't ignore the creation. You don't do the opposite of what Paul is telling you to do here in this passage. He's saying, look, look at the creation. Look at the world that we live in. Look at the birds, fish, animals. God, what's, what's the point? Paul's saying God knows how to make all kinds of different bodies that are perfectly adapted to their environment. God knows how to do that. For example, the Marianas Trench is the, the deepest part of the oceans on planet Earth. It measures an average of 10 kilometers deep along the whole length. At that level, the weight of the water column that is stacked on top of the bottom of the, of the sea, at, at, that, at that level, the weight of the water creates a pressure that's 15,000 pounds per square inch. 
And I don't even know what that means. You could have told me it's a million pounds per square inch. That's a, that's a lot of pressure, okay? And would you believe that in that very place, that very place, the bottom of the sea, is home to living creatures? There too. And what are they? They're microbial organisms and, and crustaceans. And there, there's, a, there's a species of fish that's called snailfish which, um, trust me, you would not want in your aquarium. But they live there. They have a body that can live there. They have a body that's suited to live in that, in that darkness, in that cold, in that temperature, in that, in, in that pressure. It's a remarkable thing. God has given each of those creatures and all the life forms down there a body that is suited to live there. God knows how to do that. It's not too hard for God to do. What else? Think of the heavens. Think of the heavenly bodies. The planet Mercury, okay, the closest planet to the sun. Uh, it has no atmosphere. For that reason, the temperature on the surface of Mercury ranges from uh, minus 170 degrees to a toasty 430 degrees Celsius. Uh, Mercury is constantly in a state of being frozen and cooked uh, by the sun. (laughs) What else? It has no atmosphere, as I said, and for that reason, uh, meteors don't burn up. They just slam right into it. The whole surface is pockmarked with craters and bursting with volcanic activity, and, and it's and, and it is, with no atmosphere, is blasted with radiation from the sun constantly. And in the midst of all this, it's quite stable. It's not going anywhere. It's been there a long time. It's not going anywhere. It's stable. God made it so. God knows how to do that. God knows how to fashion that heavenly body, as it were, so that it endures. It's a marvelous universe that we live in. God has filled the world. He's filled the cosmos with all different kinds of bodies. God made them. He created them. Now here's the application on this point. When it comes to the future resurrection of the body, in order to embrace this promise, you do not need to understand the mechanics of how it works. All you need to do is to trust the one who promises. You trust God. God is going to do it. And don't believe it blindly either. Look, look all around you. You, you can believe it looking around you at, 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 at seeds to plants. Looking all around you at all the, all the kinds of different bodies of this world and of the cosmos, perfect for whatever environment is their home. God knows how to do that. And for you, I say, for you who belong to Jesus, God knows how to raise a new body from the seed that is your body. God knows how to do it. A body perfect for the new creation. Now there's more to say here. It's a a different body, but different in what ways? Brings to the second point. God will raise you in a body like Jesus' body. 
Now, up to this point, we've been, we've been talking about the seed plant um, illustration analogy. And it's a helpful analogy because we need to understand that the resurrection body is different. It's a different body. There's, there's, there's continuity, but it's different. Now, the analogy is not perfect. Why? It, it's because the most obvious difference between a seed and a plant is the visible difference, is the size difference, right? Well, what about the resurrection body? When you read the gospel accounts about the resurrection of Jesus, it's quite interesting. What you find is that people do not always recognize Jesus when they first see him, but later on they do. They do recognize him. They look at him and there's continuity. At a glance, the, the, the before death and resurrection, the before and after Jesus look similar. So the so visible difference uh, is, not, is not the major difference in the resurrection. And if it's not that, then what is it? And to answer that question, uh, Paul begins a new contrast in the passage here. Not, not seed and plant, but now first Adam and last Adam. The first Adam, the first human being, the word of God says in Genesis chapter two, it says these words, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being, a living being. Adam was not created to die. That was not God's intention in the creation. And God warned Adam that his life could be forfeit, it could be lost. If he turned away from the source of life, he would die, that warning God made. Which is what happened. Adam turned away from God by his own decision. He turned away. And as the first human being who did that, all of the human race to come after him. All the human race was implicated in that decision and impacted in that decision. This is what theologians call original sin. It means guilt before God and a poisoned, con um, excuse me, a poisoned nature and death of the body. All of those things for all people to come after Adam in his lineage. Because of sin, Adam's body became perishable and weak and vulnerable. So the body, as we now know it, the body decays and it weakens. Eventually, it dies. And from Adam to now, all, all human beings have lived under the curse of death. Now, contrast all this with Jesus Christ, the last Adam. The risen Jesus has a body, but his body is imperishable. It's glorious, powerful, incorruptible. All that language is in front of us this morning. And spiritual, that's interesting. What does that mean? Jesus has a spiritual resurrected body. How do we interpret that? Well, based on everything else that Paul has been saying, a spiritual body is still a physical body. 
Paul's whole argument has been stressing the physical bodily resurrection. And you read the gospel account and Jesus says, give me a, give me a fish, give me a piece of toast, I'm gonna eat it and prove to you I have a flesh and blood body, I'm not a ghost. It's a, it's a physical body. And it says in the text, it says in the passage that Jesus became a life-giving spirit, which means that Jesus has the power to give you a new life that is perfectly in tune with the Holy Spirit, that is perfectly directed by the Holy Spirit, that, is, that, that does the will of the Holy Spirit. He has the power to give you a body that is not subject to weakness or frustration or futility, a body perfect for the new creation, the realm of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in his spiritual body has that power. Some of you have seen the movie The Matrix, 1999 with with, uh, Keanu Reeves. Now I know that my my movie references are uh, getting dated, but anyway, <laughs> there's a scene I love of, of, of this movie. Morpheus is the name of the character. He's kind of like a guru um, who is training uh, the main character, Neo, um, who is the chosen one. Okay, Neo spells one, chosen one. Um, he's the one who's gonna defeat evil and, and uh, restore peace. Okay, Morpheus says in the scene, he says, I've seen an agent, okay, the agents are the bad guys, they're, they're very bad, they're very bad. I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and speed are still based in a world built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. To which Keanu Reeves responds, So what are you telling me? That I can dodge bullets? And he says, no. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Ah, such a good, yeah, yeah, it's good. (laughs) At the end of the movie, uh, Neo literally dies and, 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 is, and is alive again after being dead. Okay, spoilers. It's from 1999, okay? <laughs> Have you seen this movie? Okay. Anyway, after, after the resurrection, uh, what do you see? After Neo is alive again, after being dead, what do you see? All of a sudden, he has a body that is not bound by the rules of the Matrix, okay? Um, and so, in, in, in the final scene, it's getting shot at, right? By three agents, they're very bad. And he, he, he just holds out his hand and the bullets slow down and they hang in the air right in front of him. And he just looks at them and they fall. Oh man, that's such a great moment, yeah, right. He has a new body, imperishable, invulnerable, powerful, glorious. The Wachowski brothers wrote this story the Matrix, right? They're the authors and directors, and they're good storytellers. But I want to ask, is this a new story? Death, resurrection, new power. Is it new? It's not new. It's right in front of us. The best story, it's right here. And what is more, 
What's more amazing is that this is not just a story about Jesus. No, it's about you. It's about you too. Because Jesus took the curse of death on the cross for you. Three days later, he rose to life again for you. He rose for you as a, as a foretaste of what you will be. And if you're not yet a Christian, then you should know that he did that for you as well. And these are not just ideas to think about, not just ideas to consider, and to, to, they're actually very practical. You might be surprised to hear, very practical. If you do not now believe in the resurrection, I want to invite you to suspend your disbelief and consider this, consider for a moment, how, how would the resurrection hope impact your life today? A couple of ways. Resurrection hope would give you a new perspective on your body right now. Because the body that you have right now is a seed body. It's a seed. Same as everyone else. So, when you go on Instagram, and when your screen fills with, with, with images of, of what? Beach bodies and gym selfies, right? Come on, right? <laughs> when you, when, when, okay, when you see all the, you kind of like, they wash over and you're everywhere. When you see that, you have your feet planted in reality. And you know that every body is a seed body. And so this entire project of comparisons and self-promotion and, and rivalry, it doesn't even bother you. It just looks silly and a bit sad. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't fill you with anxiety to see these images. What else? Resurrection hope would give you new peace about how you look after your, your body. So you exercise, you know, walk from the subway, right? But you don't chase after gains, okay, right? You don't, you don't, you don't expend anxious energy trying to, trying to fundamentally change the body type that you're born with. No, you have peace with your body. You know that you have a body coming that is powerful and splendid and glorious. You're not anxious about, about trying to make your body better. You're not anxious about showing off your body. You have a body that is like a seed, a little seed. And that perspective gives you peace. What else? Resurrection hope protects you and can lead you out of despair about your body as well. For some of you, your struggle is not, is not anxiously trying to make a good body better. Uh, no, your struggle is, is that all you want is just a healthy body. All you want is, is just a body that works and does normal things. But it doesn't. Your body's weak in, in a way that other people's is not. Your body's broken. 
Some of you are in that season right now, and you know what I'm talking about. And for the rest of you, I can confidently say that if it's not your season right now, it will be in some seasons of your life, and certainly in the twilight of your life as you grow old. And I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm being realistic. If you don't now believe in the resurrection, I would invite you to suspend your disbelief and to consider how this resurrection hope will help you in that season of weakness of of your body. It will do this. It will lead you out of despair. So you can say, yes, my body is weak. It is vulnerable. It is perishable. All of that, yes. But what's more, my body will be changed. Because what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. You receive that hope. And so you can persevere because you know that your new body will be a quantum leap beyond anything that you can ask for, anything you could imagine. That's what you have coming and you hold on to that. And the season may be a long season. It may be difficult. It may be the most difficult thing that you ever endure in your life. Weakness and brokenness of the body. But you don't despair because when, when you, you receive this hope and you look at Jesus and you know when you look at him, you see your future. In his body, you see your future resurrected body like his. If you do not yet believe in the resurrection, here's how you might respond to this message this morning. You consider these claims. You consider how this could impact your life right now. You consider how the resurrection hope could lead you out of anxiety and how it could lead you out of despair. And talk to someone. Talk to someone that you know who does have this resurrection hope, who who does embrace it and live with it. And ask, ask them what it means for them to hope in the resurrection. And you consider how their hope could become your hope also. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. And we thank you that the gospel is so vastly better than how we often think of it. We thank you for this for this word. Uh, We thank you for inspiring the word of God to teach us these things and to broaden our understanding, uh, to, to broaden our depth of understanding how good you are and your good, your good purposes and plans for us. May we embrace these things. Help us to lay them to heart. Help us to be a people who live with a living hope for, the, for our creation, for our bodies, a living hope that will carry us through every season 
as we walk with you and live to your glory. We ask it through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, at this point of the service, we have a, have a time for Q&A and um, a time to text in questions and, uh, um, or, yeah, Kingsley, I think you have the Q&A phone, is that right? You don't have it? I forgot the Q&A phone. <laughs> oh, so Lee Mark's pointing. Chun has the Q&A phone. Chun, run on down, quickly. No, faster. <laughs> Sorry for the wait, everyone. No. No, no, that's, a, that's all right. Hey, here's Chun, everybody. Ah, very, very good. Thank very you, good. Chun. Very good. Thank you, Chun. We, we appreciate you. Good. Yeah, Kingsley, is there a... Can you start us off here? Sure thing. We have a few good questions here. So the first question reads, God not just only created the seeds, God also has control over temperature, water, sunshine, and so on, which plays an important role factor in plant growing. So does it mean that God has already planned who could be resurrected? Uh, hey, Kingsley, can you read it again, please? Sure thing. Yeah, thanks. Uh, God not just only created the seeds, God also has control over the temperature, water, sunshine, and so on, which plays an important factor in plant growing. So does it mean that God has already planned who could be resurrected? Sure, sure. Okay, thank you for the question. Um, so God is, God is sovereign over the circumstances of a seed growing and not growing. Um, God is sovereign over the whole plan of salvation, the whole, the whole grand arc. Is he sovereign over the details as well? According to the word of God, yes, he is sovereign over the details. And I, I, I take the question to be, uh, to be, to be getting at a um, or kind of driving at election, I think. Does, does God control who is raised? And, and um, who, like, so the New Testament talks about a resurrection to life and a resurrection to judgment. Okay, that's not in our passage today, so I didn't talk about it. But uh, that's, in, that's in the New Testament doctrine. And in this church, we believe that. We believe that there's a, a resurrection unto life and a resurrection unto judgment. And there, there are two perspectives to think about this. Um, I don't mean competing pers um, perspectives. What I mean is from a human perspective, we receive the gospel, we hear the gospel. Jesus died for your sin, and three days later, he was raised to life for you. We hear, we hear the gospel, we, we embrace it. You see human people um, coming to the gospel and believing it and receiving this resurrection hope. Now, Scripture also talks about God's sovereign perspective um, in which, um, without any shame, Scripture asserts um, and, 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 and teaches election as a doctrine. That God in his, in his love is sovereign in his love. And, has, and, and his, his, his love 
and his redemption are particular. And God is, um, God is free. God is free to so act and to so choose. Election is, is not, is, is, you don't just run into election, okay, in Romans 9 and Ephesians 1. It is taught from the whole sweep of biblical revelation that God is sovereign. And that is um, a large topic for, for um, I, I, I think, that would be more fitting to, to dwell upon in another uh, sermon that is expressly driving at that. But um, it's an honest question and a fair question. So uh, that, that's, that's the, the, um, the, um, the beginning of a, of a, of a response, I, I would say. And I, I would invite the person to um, reach out. My e- details are there. I'd welcome uh, further discussion on that point. Thank you. We have time for perhaps one more question. Uh, This question writes, based on what you're saying, would the brain be considered part of the body and so mental health problems would not be present in the new resurrected body? Once more. Yeah, based on what you're saying, would the brain be considered part of the body and so, as a result, will mental health problems not be present in the new resurrected body? Yeah, I I can say with with joy and with with confidence, yes, that is is the case. Thinking about weakness in the body and brokenness in the body, we, we, might, we might naturally first think about kind of physical ailments and so on. Um, but no, the, the brain, um, I mean, contrary to a sort of dualism that um, would separate thinking from, from what is embodied, uh, no, the, um, the brain and its chemicals and its, its physical... Um, nature, yes, will be redeemed as well, <laughs> will be redeemed. And, and so mental, um, mental illness, uh, mental distress, anguish, de- depression, all of it, all of it, all of it will be gone in the new heavens and in the, in the new earth. Praise God.